Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Financial MD Show. I'm excited about today's show. We're going to be going into investing and the basics of investing and what it means particularly to residents. We begin by talking about some of the basics of actually investing and stocks and where it comes from and what is actually happening. Trevor starts going into the behavioral side of investing and how to manage your emotions to be a more successful investor. We then pivot to talking about how it fits into a resident's financial plan, when to start investing, how much, and where to actually invest. Trevor digs into some of the ways that investments can get uh, tripped up and where we should be putting our money based on how it's going to be taxed. And I talk a little bit about what are some of the biggest drags on investment performance over time. We wrap up by giving some resources on where you can go to get more information and how to get started today. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoy today's episode of the Financial MD Show. Investing. I think yeah. I will uh, definitely, I've got some knowledge on the formal side of actually being a trained financial advisor, but the whole reason that you are a part of financial MDs because you have a more organic uh, interest in these and don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm interested in this stuff, but um, right. <laughs> your interest is, you know, you have the beauty of not, not having to take the series seven and 66 and all the crap that I had to do. You right. get to pick and choose what aspects of investing you want to get, you know, drill down into and get really good at. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. For sure, more than most residents. So I don't expect you to disseminate everything you know to every resident out there. That's not fair to them. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's exactly right. But I think you're uh, down to earth enough to be able to say, hey, if I had to give kind of Dave Ramsey style advice, because, you know, we go back yeah. and forth on Dave Ramsey. We agree with a lot of his stuff in general. For mm-hmm. sure. Right. But we yeah. also understand Dave Ramsey's advice is for the masses. And so yeah. when we have residents or young physicians come to us and say, well, Dave Ramsey said this, what do you think of this? And I say, well, sure. But the whole point of Financial MD is that everyone listening to this podcast is going to be in a doctors or in a unique financial situation. So I don't think all of Dave Ramsey's or all of Susie Orman's or all of whomever's advice is going to apply mm-hmm. to everybody, let alone physicians, hence the point of making financial MD in this podcast. So we're going to give you guys some uh, tidbits. The whole point of financial MD is to give information that can be useful at any point in your career, even if you're in training. So a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today 
I want it to be a, you know, hopefully you guys walk away uh, listening to this, getting just a few, even one or two tips that you can say, hey, I'm going to implement that. And the 65-year-old me is going to thank me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, Trevor, where would you start? Yeah, I'd say a big picture. um, And just in terms of like investing, like what is investing? I think the, the big picture is often sort of addressed maybe at the end. Or for me, I've been kind of finally getting the big picture of investing after reading the little bits and pieces. Like I started with the details almost like what's an IRA, what's a Roth IRA, what are the differences? Um, how do I contribute to retirement accounts? And then those are like, that's kind of the meat, like retirement accounts is the meat of investing for most American doctors and most Americans in general. Right. So the question is like what it's like, it's like, that's the meat and then everything else. And there's a lot of other products. There's a lot of other ways to quote unquote invest. But the big picture philosophy is like, how do I use the money that I've earned? How do you know, tax strategies, how do I like keep the most of my money? Like I earn the money and then how do I keep the most? And then like from what I keep, how do I make it grow the most? And how do I keep it as it grows? How do I keep it from going down and mostly going up? I mean, to me, that's investing. And then you're picking things that are worth having so that other people want to buy them too. That's, that's how things go up. Or you're picking okay, things good. that grow in value, not just because other people want them to, but because they produce something that they create something. So that's where like stocks come in, like companies make something, people buy it. So it grows and then it's worth more money. So we're trying to take the money that we have kept and now we are trying to grow it. I mean, that, that's what investing is. And then we want it to be there when we need it. So there's, there's short-term investing and there's long-term investing. Short-term investing has a goal of being available sooner. And then longer term, you're going to need it. Longer term usually means when I retire. And if you don't have that money when you retire, you know, unless you can keep working through that period, uh, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble. So it's, you know, it's serious business, but I mean, I got into reading about it because I think it's fun too. So figuring out what is valuable and why it's valuable to me is like a very interesting challenge. And it's one of the most dynamic things, you know, there's a million different experts on uh, one stock. You could take Tesla being like one of the hottest ones, right? Right. Um, Anyone who has a Robinhood account, it's like a free trading app. Anyone who has a Robinhood account has probably owned Tesla at some point because it's like, it's a that's why they got the app probably right? non-professionals yeah yeah right actually that's exactly true i totally agree with that mm-hmm. um so but you know there's a million different opinions on on tesla and there was i first bought it in 2014 i'm currently you know one of those disclosure things i don't have any right now i wish it did i sold it on the way up really early yeah but um i've had it on and off since 2014 back when people said it was going to zero you know every three months every quarter yep. someone was saying it was going to zero mm-hmm. and now there's you know a few outside people that say like in the next decade it's going to be the most valuable company in the world and that's why it's that's why investing is fun it's interesting if you're right and you bet you know an appropriate amount it's not truly a bet but if you invest an appropriate amount and you're right 
it can it can change your life and it doesn't yeah. have to be risky on on a scale that um hurts you right. so um that's 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 my big picture perspective on on investing so yeah that's yeah. a great way to thoughts? explain it and describe it um because that's exactly right like no matter what you're investing in i think you described it well that it's there's a few concepts and i think this covers probably you could describe financial planning in general it's you know making enough money keeping enough money investing enough yeah. money you know because mm-hmm. we always say that when we talk about uh oh well my stock you know uh i'll talk to somebody who says so i got this investment and it and it made x or it grew this much or whatever and then i say okay well that's all well and good but you want to cash that out right now you're gonna have to spend 15 20 percent in capital gains taxes or whatever so it's really this so we have this concept right. of it's not what you make it's what you keep that's yep. why i may we may talk about investing and things like that but i think an equal amount of the conversation has to be about taxes and fees and all those other things i always want totally to the resident seminars and you've probably heard me do this at a dinner where i say what are the two biggest drags on investment performance and it's taxes and fees you know, depending mm-hmm. on the account, obviously, but the, those are things that, that doesn't matter what the investment is. Those things apply in some way, shape or form. So it's not what you make, it's what you keep. It's, you know, it's not what you keep, but it's how you grow it and how you <laughs> invest it um, mm-hmm. and where it's invested and all those kind of things. And then I, I love how you framed that you've got to buy something that somebody else is going to want again at some point and hopefully more right. than they want it now. Mm-hmm. And um, for most of the people listening to this, it doesn't mean like, okay, do a ton of research into the individual stock that you're going to buy because most people aren't going right. to buy stocks or if they are, it's not going to be a big part of their retirement portfolio, hopefully. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, it's smart not to do that. It's, it's safer. I think, um, I've done a little bit of trading myself and if it's taught me anything, it's, uh, keeping your capital, keeping the money that you use to try to make more money is it's both the most important and the most challenging part of investing because, you know, potentially the bigger you, you invest in something, the more you make. Yep. And anytime something is really successful, you never invested enough. And anytime you lose money, you always invested too much. Yep. Like that's how it feels a hundred percent of the time. So, you know, creating a plan and sticking to it, is, is the key. This is all still big picture stuff, but, um, keeping the money you have is almost more important than the performance, but not to the detriment of your growth. Yeah. So I mean, it in cash is, is not a great, not a great plan. And pretty much any, anybody would agree with that, especially when, do you notice I looked this up 22% of the U S dollars in circulation right now were created mm-hmm. this year. 22%. Of That's all crazy. U.S. dollars, boy, yeah. with the, and I the ramifications was, I that like, has you know, for inflation and everything <laughs> like that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, I, I like looked it up. You can look it up, like um, on one of the government, like Federal Reserve websites, like how much is in circulation, how much is printed this year, because you yep. can just you can just look at 2019 versus 2020. It's a 22 percent um, increase. So it's not even. I was like, this has got to be fake news. Like that's too high. But no, it's the real deal. You're talking about printed cash or just anything in cash or money markets or derivatives like that? That's a good question. I, I think it's, 
it's probably printed cash to be honest how much they printed because there's no way it's the total amount of us dollars out there so no i figured you meant the gdp went up 22 percent. like whoa <laughs> that'd be nice say, maybe yeah maybe since we're april but yeah yeah um no that's i've had this recently this morning i looked at a stock that i bought of a company that i know and uh, in the last two days it's gone up 30 percent and wow. you know have that same age old conversation should i take my winnings and walk away <laughs> or mm-hmm. leave it there you know and it's like honestly i'll probably sell some and right. leave the rest of it invested it's just yeah um, and it depends on what your plan is like the key is to make a plan like you know if i put in this much money and it goes up this much then i'm going to take this much out and that's really like to a degree you know it's not literally day trading because you're not opening and closing a trade in the same day. I think that's the definition of that, but yeah. uh, it's kind of like day trading. It's just that you're not looking at it quite as much and you're waiting a bit longer. Um, it's a, it's a short term approach. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's not, it almost doesn't qualify as investing compared to what we're, what we would normally talk about with residents, which would be like, you know, retirement accounts and what can you yeah. do what is a retirement account and what can you do with the funds inside of it? Because even that's a mystery to people. They might put, you know, a few grand into a Roth IRA every year for a residency. And that's a, that's a post tax. So all the growth that you get in a Roth account, that's pretty much the only difference, right? Between a regular IRA and a Roth IRA is that you've already paid the taxes. You contributed with the money that you already paid taxes on. So then it's, and it's a limited amount, you know, you, you have to, uh, the only way to contribute to that is if you make less than what is it, one hundred thirty-five thousand for single and some sort of combination in the two hundred or three hundred, yep. I think, you know, when you're married. Yep. Uh, regardless, it changes a little tiny bit every year, and you can always look it up on the IRS website. But uh, yeah, so you put a little bit of money in there, and it's like, what you know, what can you do with it? Well, you can't just put it in; it doesn't just start growing. You have to pick things that you buy within the IRA and at least one of the books I've read, that's apparently like a common thing that'll happen for, you know, the occasional person they'll put the money in. They're just like, why isn't it going up? They'll check back Mm -hmm. a year later. They missed a whole year of growth. They just deposited in there. They just assumed, you know, somebody was making it grow, but you have to actually buy specific funds when you, when you invest some, some companies will set it up automatically. You have to pick one when you open the account, but, um, most of them will not or Vanguard necessarily will, will not. And some of the lower fee ones are a little more hands-on. So you have to pick your own, either a retirement fund or right. you can buy specific stocks, but generally buying a group of stocks is, is the approach of a, of either a mutual fund or a, or a retirement account. Yeah. And that's probably um, yeah. where step one is for, if you're a resident and you're listening to this and you're making $50,000 a year, and you maybe put your spouse to work so you can get a little more income or, but somehow you found a little bit of surplus and you're ready at that point because before any of these tips or advice or anything, and we talk about investing, we've got a, we've got four different steps in the roadmap for residents. And the first three, none of those first three are investing. Investing is the fourth one. The first one is Cash flow, getting a handle on what's going in and what's going out. Step two is getting your safety net right, your emergency fund and your insurance. Step three is getting a handle on your debt, whether you need to knock out some credit cards or refinance your student loans, which we talked about in other shows. 
But those three things have to happen before you get to what we're talking about today with investing. So get those in order, get your house in order there. And so if you're at that point, you're listening to this, then it's like, yeah, usually the next step is Roth IRA. And it's that because like Trevor was saying, this is the only time in your career or the last time in your career when you'll be able to put money directly into a Roth. And and we can go into backdoor Roth and how that works. And a lot of my um, in practice physicians do that. But the easy button when you're a resident is the Roth IRA. And the most you can do is 500 bucks a month. And I have very few residents that are doing that, but a lot of them are doing hundred bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever they can do. Because 30 years from now, they're going to want as much in this tax-free bucket as possible. And so Mm -hmm. that's certainly a piece of that. And so, uh, yeah, Vanguard, um, Betterment, um, what else? Wealthfront, personal capital. Those are kind of places that if you're just looking for the easy button today, then that'll be a place to get in and get in cheap and they'll do everything for you pretty much. You just give them the answers to a few questions, figure out how much you're able to save. They'll pick the investments for you. So you don't have to have what, what Trevor was saying happen where you put it in and you realize a year later it's just sitting in cash. Yeah. Um, Cause I've had that conversation where I meet a new client and they come and they say, okay, I've got this other account. It's just not been doing very well. I think my advisor sucks. And I look at him like, well, he probably doesn't suck. You just have had this in cash for a year and yeah, or whatever. So, um, yeah. So that's that conversation is what do we do first? Well, get a handle on everything else, but then Ross IRA and Trevor got into what's the mutual fund and, um, it's a collection of stocks and you're basically paying. And this is where the concept of fees comes into because you may say it doesn't look like I'm paying anything or my investments are free, but that's never the case. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. There's index funds and ETFs where they can be cheaper for sure. But what's happening is this company, whether it's Vanguard or iShares or BlackRock or whomever is paying somebody to put together this fund and monitor this money, even if it's an index fund, which is basically tracking somebody else's list of stocks, there's still some fees and expenses to it. So, um, but all that to say, it doesn't have to be difficult or complicated. Um, when it comes to Robin hood, um, that's not a place they don't do IRAs. So Robinhood is a place, an app where you can, uh, it, it's a, it's a place to find companies that you like or are interested in and buy some of their stock basically. So I just, I just got Robinhood a couple of months ago and, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of figuring out and playing with it, but, uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a game changer probably not that this thing hasn't been out there before. I don't know. Would you say is Robinhood the first to do something like this? With the it's, fractional it's the shares first, and no cost and stuff? It's the first. They didn't even have fractional shares until, uh, I think, within the last calendar year. Okay. Um, but they were the first to have zero fee trading. Mm-hmm. That was what put them on the map. That was what drew in a lot of users. Um, and then they opened, uh, you know, quote-unquote checking account, or specifically it's a money market account. Mm-hmm. You may better know the details of the difference. Basically, a money market account, as I understand it, 
is essentially the same as a checking account, but it's typically in the past is sort of like a holding of actual some sort of share where they guarantee you some sort of growth percentage. Cause like Vanguard has a money market account yep. and you get between like 0.4 and 0.8% on it. Yeah. Sometimes more, sometimes less it's not a, and it's not a guaranteed amount, but it's right. almost like it functions similar to a checking account, but I think you technically have shares of something. You do a money um, market is a, you're buying shares and the share is always $1. Yeah. So it's, there's, if you're, if anyone is interested in the whole cryptocurrency thing, it's, it's almost kind of like a pre, they call these things stable coins. There's these uh, cryptocurrencies that are tied to the U S dollar and they hold tightly to to one, you know, 1.0000 dollar. Yep. Yep. Um, It's pretty similar to that, uh, but it kind of has a return and the company who holds it must kind of from their profits share it a little, I don't know how it gets distributed, but uh, that's a long winded kind of aside there. I was just a little curious of, of what a money market truly really was, but it sounds like it was about what I was thinking. So yeah. Robinhood has that. And then they have a money market account. So they're trying to get people to deposit their money directly onto there, you know, from yeah. their jobs. And so is trying to do the same thing. Well, I can tell um, you from my, yeah. So um, Robinhood is mostly stocks, purely stocks. I do think they have some, Yeah. From my standpoint, yeah, the, uh, it's interesting. So a lot of these, uh, Robinhood started this, maybe started this whole trend of zero cost trading. Um, mm-hmm. And then that pushed the big boys into it, like Schwab right. and TD and E-Trade, like all had to go to zero as well. And so people wonder like, oh, how can they do that? But Turns out those were only made up a very small percentage of their revenue. The bulk of these custodians, which is where the money is being held, the bulk of their revenue doesn't come from these transaction fees and costs. It comes from the spread they make on the cash. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they can tell you, I've got, you know, Schwab has so many billions or trillions sitting in money market or cash. Everybody's got a little bit of cash in their accounts. And some of these custodians call it a, you know, conspiracy or not, they make every account hold at least a little bit, maybe it's 1% or half percent in cash as part of their portfolios. That's just their requirement. And Mm -hmm. it's so all this cash that's sitting there as a requirement, they may say, here's what we're paying you on our money market fund that we have. So Schwab might say, yeah, we'll give you 0.25% because they're Mm -hmm. getting 0.5% out there in the world in any other scenario. So they're making that spread and you may think right. this 0.25 isn't a lot, but when it's on half a trillion dollars, yeah, it's plenty. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, some of them, they have credit card divisions and they're making 22%. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Schwab's yeah. got a whole and they can, mortgages and they can borrow, they can, they can, they can lend that money at, you know, insane rates. <clears throat> yes. Um, and one of my clients ways. does, I, we've just started getting into what's called securities backed lines of credit. Where if you have a investment account, let's say it's at $100,000, you can borrow, you can get a line of credit off of that without having to pull the money out. So let's say, oh, I want to put a down payment on a house or I want to get this or that. You only need $50,000. Well, you can borrow against that. So that 100000 is all still invested and it's the investment company giving you the 50000 and then they charge you a... Uh, Right now, I think she's paying two and a half, three percent or something. So pretty competitive, um, mm-hmm. but they're still making money. So it's yeah, they're finding ways. But uh, 
yeah. So that's, it's, it's always interesting to get a little deeper into these things and find out where the, see how the sausage is made and see where the money is made. That's but, right. Um, that's right. I think for our purposes today, if we're, again, if we're talking to residents, it's get your house in order with the, the budget and debt and, and emergency fund and those other things. And then mm-hmm. it, it kind of ties into the budget conversation. If you say, well, I'm ready to start a Roth IRA. Well, then the question becomes, okay, well, how much? Because then that goes to the budget. You've got to figure out, obviously, how much to save mm-hmm. first. Um, and like anything, whether it's building your emergency fund or building your Roth IRA, it's always better to start with something um, versus mm-hmm. say, ooh, I can't afford $100 right now. Well, that's fine. Like, do 25 bucks or do 50 mm-hmm. And then we used to always have this thing where on your birthday, double it. And then give it, you know, it's like a little birthday present for yourself. Uh, and then you'd be surprised what happens in four years by the time you get to the end of residency and you've got this little bucket of money. Yeah, I, that's a great approach. I, I like that. I mean, that's what I did. I, I was putting in like a hundred bucks a month to my Roth IRA, which mm-hmm. was like, it was, it was enough that I was, you know, feeling it, which is, which is, you know, not going to be the case later in, in your lives, but you're putting away enough that you're feeling it just a little bit. And if you stop doing it, you'd have some extra money. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important to you at the time to put that money away and it develops a good habit. Um, but it doesn't keep you from like enjoying, you know, your life and doing fun things and having enough money for restaurants or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a health, it's a healthy amount and some people can do more. Some people can do less. There's, there are people out there listening who I'm very jealous of that didn't have to pay for medical school or somebody else paid for it for them. And, uh, if you're one of those people, I mean, yeah, you should be maxing out your Roth IRA for sure. <laughs> right. You can definitely afford $500 a month going into Roth IRA. If, unless you're probably even if you're like living in and working in New York city, cause you have paid a lot more as a resident there. Um, in most programs, not, not all the fellows do, but, uh, you should be making enough money pretty much wherever you are to be middle class. And the government designed these programs for, you know, the 25th class, to 50th right. percentile of at least the middle class. So like if you can't put that money away now and you don't have any loans, like you're in big trouble for the future, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So you want to, that's where you probably want to hire a financial advisor ASAP to try to figure out, you know, what's going on. I don't want to wake up when I'm 45 and have nothing in retirement type situation. Um, yeah. But yeah, $500 a month is, is doable. I, my, my payments and even until I refinanced were, were enough that like, there's no way I could have been doing that. But uh, most people are deferring now, you know, even if they're not going to complete uh, the public loan service, public service loan forgiveness, mm-hmm. which, which way is it? You got it. PSLF. Okay, nice. Um, <laughs> most people are doing that, even if they're not going to do it to 10 years. So they have the money to put it away. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what I've seen too. I've sat with a lot of residents and done budgets with a lot of residents. And I would say 80 to 90% of the time, they're able to put money into a Roth IRA. Not that there's things that they don't have to knock out first, but mm-hmm. um, we're definitely able to get there in a, reasonable amount of time. And there's, you know, a lot of these things we talk about, we can't go into as much depth as maybe we'd like to 
uh, in this show, but that's why we created the whole didactic minute video series. So get on our YouTube channel or our Facebook and check that out. Cause that's where you're going to see a lot of these more specific topics that we drill down into a little bit further. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And we see, we like, we, you I mean, you do free consultations. I mean, if, if somebody's trying to figure out like, where do I want to put my money? Like they should, you know, shoot you an email, give you a call, uh, an hour right now, if you don't know what a lot of these terms meant, it's going to be huge. I mean, it'll make you like, if you're, if you're worried about the fact that you're in residency, you're not making that much money. This hour would be worth, you know, you'd be getting paid $10,000 for that hour because you're going to save that much money later. I mean, you won't make a better rate of return in residency than sitting down and educating yourself um, on, on finances and, and what your plan is for the future. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a no, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, in general, I, uh, takeaways, most of you guys can do a Roth IRA, do it. Um, the easy buttons are the vanguards, the betterments, the wealth front, mm-hmm. personal capital, um, index funds, ETFs are what they're going to do for you there. Any Trevor, any other kind of, you think quick takeaways or, or just in summary, what they should remember from today. Yeah. I'd say like the other thing to do is really just warn people. I mean, speculative investing on things like cryptocurrency or even like uh, aggressive real estate um, opportunities, you know, save those for your dollars that you can afford to lose later. I think as a resident, you know, if you're not filling up your, your Roth IRA, like don't, don't try to go to the casino to make enough money to fill up your Roth IRA. Like that doesn't make sense. Or you wouldn't go to the slot machine and yeah. sure. Like, um, and John, you know, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, certain aspects of, of cryptocurrencies, but they're still speculative. And if you're, if you're not earning a lot, if you're, if you want to be a part of something like uh, speculative, then just, you know, keep it very limited. You know, even Dr. Dolly of the white, white coat investor, he knows, you know, some people are interested in like Bitcoin or something and they, they want to have a little bit of it or they want to pay attention or they're excited about the technology. But, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's still risky, you know, and, yeah. and <clears throat> capital, keeping your capital to grow for the future is the most important part. And parking in a Roth IRA is one of the safest places to put it. Um, so that's why, I mean, if you read anything on his website and he's a conservative investor, uh, sure. That's his bias, but parking money into Roth IRA when you can really do it easily and maximize it, it's, it's, it's great. And there's a, a lot of other fun, exciting things, but, uh, I think a lot of people in residency are trying to gain something fast. If they're financial people trying to gain something fast quickly so that they can fill up the Roth IRA. Instead of just focusing on putting a little bit of a pack, you know, slow and steady kind of approach, uh, yep. would have benefited me more. Would have benefited a lot of other uh, residents that that I know personally. And it's just it's it's hard not to do that. It's hard to follow that advice. But if you do it, I mean, you just won't regret it. I know people that did. And they're doing, you know, they're killing it. They're just slow and steady, and they're doing great. So. It's, yeah, that's what's wise advice for reason. Everybody says it for reason, you know. It's almost <laughs> like they know. It's almost like they've experienced it before. You just listen to the people a little bit further ahead; it really pays off. You know, 
That's absolutely true. That's I was just reading a Waco Investor article today about um, just ways to look at debt, and he's very conservative when it comes to debt, and um, mm-hmm. and so when it comes to investing too, for sure. I mean, we always say five uh, percent of your portfolio or less can be in some of this very speculative, risky stuff, and that's that's kind of a rule of thumb. But um, yep. The other thing to, you know, sl- slow and steady wins the race. I always close with this, with my investment talks is that the most of the wealth that you see was, or most of the millionaires were made from small, boring, consistent decisions made over a long period of time. That's a hundred percent right. And at, I think it's a reality check for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So well, I think uh, that's enough for people. Um, I know Trevor and I could talk about this forever, and we probably will next time we get together. But um, <laughs> yep. the, uh, again, we, we try to have these podcasts to give you uh, in-depth on certain topics, but for sure, there's more resources out there. Get to the Facebook group. You can ask questions of uh, either me or other doctors out there. That's the whole point. Um, and then check out the didactic minute videos that are on uh, either our Facebook group or on the YouTube channel. That's going to go into specific topics, each one a different one. And there's new ones that come out every week. So uh, plenty of places for more information. There's no excuse for not knowing. And then ultimately, yeah, uh, get that consultation scheduled uh, with one of our people and just, just get your questions answered. Nothing else. You'll walk away feeling like, okay, um, either I was right or I was wrong or uh, one way or the other, but that's kind of, the point just to get a quick financial checkup. So uh, that's all we got for tonight. We'll see you at our next episode and uh, stay safe, everyone. Awesome. Thanks, John. See you, Trevor. See ya. Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to financialmd.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. And don't forget to join the Financial MD community group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time. The Financial MD show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.